Hi, welcome to Birthing at Home, a podcast. I'm Elsie, your host. I'm a home birth mom of two little boys. I'm a mental health nurse, a home birth advocate broadly, but also more specifically in the state of Victoria, and I'm an ex-student midwife. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land I'm recording on in um, Melbourne, Australia. I would also like to acknowledge that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have been birthing at home on country for tens of thousands of years prior to the British invasion and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. This is episode 19 of Birthing at Home, a podcast. Today, Sarah from the Hunter Valley in New South Wales shares her incredible birth of Quinton, who was born at home just a few months ago. Sarah shares the challenges she faced in her first pregnancy over six years ago and how that impacted her hospital birth experience. And then she shares her amazing journey to having Quinton, which was also full of challenges, including a crazy ultrasound drama that goes to show the potential inaccuracies that are often not spoken about with ultrasounds. We talk about many great resources, so be sure to check them out in the description. Here we go. Welcome, Sarah, to the Birthing at Home, a podcast. Hi. Um, this has been a little while in the making because your, yes. <laughs> your littlest one is only three months um, yep. and he's still uh, acclimatizing to life, I guess. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> um, do you want to give a little bit of backstory about who you are, um, where you live, etc.? Who's in your family? All right. Um, well, my name is Sarah. Um, I have just moved up to the Hunter Valley at the start of this year. So originally we are from Sydney um, in New South Wales. And um, I have two children with a very big age gap. My oldest is about to turn six. And the littlest one is um, three months yesterday. So a bit of a purposeful but also surprise gap. Yeah, yeah. Um, So we were one and done for a very, very long time. Um, Actually, on the 30th of October last year, we decided to have another baby. And um, here I am with a (laughs) three-month-old a year later, which is a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so things happen very quickly, which is also very terrifying. I'm terrified of accidentally getting. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um. So, I guess let's start with the story of six year old Addison because yeah, like one yes. and one and done. Like, did you know? Yeah. You know, six years ago, did you know about home birth? I knew it was an option, but I thought it was something that people did rurally because you just live too far away from the hospital. Yeah. Um, we also didn't have that understanding of investing in the birth. So originally I had wanted a private obstetrician because I couldn't imagine giving birth in the public system. Like who would do that? Yeah. Um, my mum had a private doctor with both me and my brother and um, it was just what you did, like if you were well off and you had health insurance, you had a private obstetrician. I'm actually really grateful that we didn't have maternity cover, which I discovered when I was already pregnant. Oh, like, oh it's too late. Okay, <laughs> shit, I guess I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I guess I'm going to the public system. Yeah. Um, so we did. Yeah. So I just thought it was something that people did rurally because you live too far from the hospital. Yeah. 
Um, ironically, I do live too far from the hospital for this birth. So <laughs> yeah. even if I hadn't planned a home birth, I would have had him on the side of the highway. Yeah. Wow. Um, which is crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so I, we, I got a doula instead. Oh, cool. And um, I read everything. She gave me this massive, massive binder and I read it from head to toe. Um, and I still, I knew a lot, but I still didn't know enough about like that physiological process compared to like what I know now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess we just, I booked in with Blacktown. Um, I had hyperemesis with Addison. Yeah. Which was, um, for those that don't know the vomiting sickness. Yeah. So I lost nine kilos in the first trimester with Addison, which I'm not a large person. I don't have a lot to spare. Yeah. So that was pretty uh, crazy. And then I gained those nine kilos back once I started being able to eat proper foods and yep. everything. So that really affected how I felt about pregnancy, how I, you know, I was so limited um, with working and a lot of resting and, and things like that. Um, and it really affected my mental health. I, I went into the birth just already being so over it and so exhausted and you know, I was still vomiting up yeah. blood, like in labor and stuff as well. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it was pretty intense. Yeah. And I hadn't eaten for so long because, you know, nil by mouth and all that oh. ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So her birth, I she was actually born on her due date. Okay. Um, and it's quite I don't even know where to start. It was a funny story. Like I had my um 40 week appointment a couple of days before she was due to be born. Yeah. And um she I had yeah, I was 30 I think I was 39 and 5. Yeah. yeah I was 39 and 5 and I begged them for a stretch and sweep because that's just what you do like I'm so close to my due date. Yeah. I'm tired, I'm over, I'm exhausted. I yeah. cried in that appointment so much. I still remember that feeling of just, I was sore. She was a horrific side tangent, but she was a horrific mover in pregnancy. Yeah. So my husband used to hold my belly to give me some relief at night time. Oh my gosh. You know that scene from the movie, um, I think it's Prometheus, where like the alien is like moving inside her belly and like bursts out. If she had burst out through my belly, I don't even think I would have been surprised. (laughs) She was insane, absolutely insane. And especially if you're feeling so sick as well. Yeah, Yeah. and I didn't gain much weight, so I didn't have a lot of stomach stretching space to be able to move. So she didn't really have a lot of space. Yeah. Um, Oh, yes. So we had had an IUGR scare at like 38 weeks. My midwife had sent me for an emergency ultrasound within that hour because I was 38 weeks and measuring 34 centimetres. Okay. Um. And so that was kind of indicative to me, like wanting her out, worried yeah. about a small baby and like really being um, questioning, like, should I be induced and all that? Yeah. In the end, they decided that she was fine to stay in there. So they kind of just left me, which yeah. I guess was better, you know, natural and, and physiological processes and all that. But I was so over it, like yeah. just emotionally done. Yeah. So I'm 
I feel like that's important to the story because that's what I'm carrying into her labor. Yeah. Um, so on 39 and six, I woke up at like 7 a.m. and my waters had broken. I really thought I'd peed myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it just kind of kept coming and I had tested positive for GBS. Um, so we went in. Yeah. And we were in there from 10 a.m. on that Saturday morning until she was born the next day. Yeah. Um, but labor never started. So I ended up being induced. Okay. Um, and they didn't induce me until 11 p.m. that night. Yeah. Even though I'd gr- agreed to it. And the midwife there was so rude. Like the chief midwife was like, by the time I finally agreed to be induced, she was like, now we don't have time for you. You oh. should have agreed hours ago. You could have already had your baby by now. Oh and I'm my like, God. I'm doing the right thing by try. I was doing stair walking with my drip, like carrying it up and down the stairs to try and get this natural labor started. Yeah. And I was exhausting myself. I should have, I wish I had stayed home. Yeah. But, you know, doing the right thing with GBS and yep. not knowing enough about that aspect either. Yeah. Um, to know that it's really not as dangerous as people believe, that we've been made to believe that it is. Like the infection yeah. itself is so dangerous, but the chance of getting that infection, even if positive in labor, yeah. four weeks after testing is so so minimal yeah um it's ridiculous yeah so, i'll make sure to yeah. include i know that um yeah uh, is it like sarah wickham or maybe rachel yes. reed like has some sarah wickham yeah. yeah yeah i'll make sure yeah. i link and, that in the description and, yes and great birth rebellion does an amazing podcast on it yeah and so does a nutritionist by the name of Celine douglas Hey guys, just to avoid any confusion in case you go looking for the episode from Celine Douglas on GBS, it actually is about gestational diabetes and she does one on iron management as well. Okay. So I listened to three different podcasts on GBS for this pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so I didn't test for that. Yeah. Yeah. So did you do any, um, like education kind of stuff with the pregnancy of Addison? Um, in terms of GBS, just in, just in general as well, only what my doula had given me more about physiological birth and like exercise in pregnancy and staying upright and, um, you know, trying to avoid all those interventions and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess. Yeah. In some education, but at the same time, I still had never done it before. So yeah. in my own head, I'm like, can I even do this? Yeah. 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 And I think like we're in such a um, vulnerable, I, state. <laughs> vulnerable state, but at the, at the moment we're in like, you know, the great birth rebellion exists. The midwives cauldron exists. Like the right, none of that existed. It, no, like six years ago. That's. Yeah um yeah 17 yeah Yeah. so yeah Yeah. now in 2023 I feel like you have no excuse for not like it's so accessible to find this information now I really agree and especially like if you want to test for GBS I am so for that if that is the right step for you yeah but I knew based on what happened with Addison and I had so many antibiotics and went home from the hospital with thrush yeah well I had some health issues already last year um, regarding like overuse of antibiotics with my huh. own personal history that I'm just like, I can't afford to have unnecessary antibiotics yeah, in my body. Yeah. And I, regardless of whether they reach my baby or yeah, not. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's still an ongoing thing about, um, yeah, antibiotic resistance and like how it actually it impacts you long term. Yep. But 
Yeah. Um, yep. And there's so many st- um, things out there at the moment saying like, we're going to have zero antibiotics for us in like 2035. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not even that far yeah. away. Yeah. 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 It's really scary. It is scary. Um, so you were walk- oh, yes. walking upstairs and doing walking all of the upstairs. things with Addison. I was- yeah, and I finally agreed to be induced at like 6 p.m. at night time. Yeah. My doula, we called her, and she's like, no, like you're tired. Agree to the induction. Your waters have already broken. You'll be okay. Okay. And I and I agreed. Yeah. And um, they were like, oh, we don't have time for you anymore. So I was still not even in a room at this point, just in the, I don't know, birthing area, like pre-maternity yeah. ward. Yeah. Um, so they finally found me a room at like 10 p.m. or something like that. Yeah. And my doula was so angry at this point. She's like, they should just let you go to sleep. You yeah. could have had a baby already by 11 p.m., 10 p.m. if you had been induced at 6 p.m. kind of yeah. thing. Still hadn't eaten anything. Um, yeah, and so they, they hooked me up. My husband actually was cold. My husband, who sleeps in a pair of shorts in winter <laughs> with zero blankets and gets upset at me, was freezing yeah. in December in yeah. Australia in yeah. the hospital, went to Kmart to go and get a jumper. He oh left me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was only like an hour, but still. It was a very long hour considering how close yeah. Kmart was. So I was finally hooked up. I had that very first contraction and... I was on the floor immediately collapsed. Wow. It was zero to a hundred. I mean, also I had never felt a true contraction before. Yeah. I couldn't breathe. They were already 30 seconds apart, like instantly. Yeah. All high peaks, no break in between them whatsoever. I couldn't breathe. Of course, I'm hooked up to the belly monitors as you do. And I tried to um, refuse those because I knew I knew enough that I could stand my own ground and say no 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 it's unnecessary I don't need it yeah and I had a student midwife as part of my midwifery group program okay and she was actually on call um she was working when I was had when I was being induced oh so she wow. was getting paid to be at my birth which was pretty awesome <laughs> that's for her. pretty good yeah yeah and um she came back and she's like, it's hospital policy. And I just felt so guilty for like arguing with her. With her, I relented and agreed to be monitored. Yeah. They made it so much worse, those belly monitors, the contract, like for the contractions. Yeah. They are so painful, so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you're like, it's like very restricting. And like, it it's really is. Um, it really is. Like when I was a student midwife, you were constantly like having to re, like, re, attach them and move them around and then you the oh it's not listening to baby's heart late so you gotta like move it again and reset it and tighten it and oh we need new bands now and oh it's so so annoying i hate them so much yeah and um i could there's so many like tangents i can go on (laughs) there's not even enough evidence to support them anymore and all that ridiculousness but yeah so i had that and um I think I labored for about an hour, but to me it felt like five minutes. And um, yeah. I demanded they, they switch it off. I, I was like, yeah. turn it all off. I don't care. Like I, she can stay in. I, I don't care. Get rid of it. And my yeah. husband was back at that time and I was falling asleep on the bed sitting up um, because it was midnight. Yeah. And um, he, thank God for him, because I made him read everything as well. And um, the – some doctor was trying to convince me to consent for a cesarean. 
bearing in mind I'd been one hour on the induction drugs, falling asleep. (laughs) Yep. Falling asleep on the bed, sitting up. And my husband said, enough, get outside. I need to talk to you. And he basically said, you were trying to get her to consent to something. She isn't even coherent enough to process. Turn everything off. Give us one hour. Get out. Leave us alone. And that's it. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I know, I know. Go him. It, like, he saved me from having a cesarean. Um, <sighs> yeah, so, and he, the doctor offered an epidural and we called my doula and she said, if they're offering it to you right now, take it Yeah, because the chances of you needing it and if you had one available by the time you actually asked for it and all that jazz. Yeah. So I got the epidural, which is, I didn't want it. But she said, if you're not coping with the contractions, you're not going to relax. You're not going to let your body do what it needs to do in conjunction with the induction drugs. Yeah. So I got the epi and um, I slept immediately. And yeah. that was about, by the time that was all done and reset up, it was about 1.32 a.m. Yeah. I woke up for every contraction Held Robert's hands with the epi and went straight back to sleep in between each one. Yeah. It was wild. Like, yeah. I still felt every contraction, not to the same intensity, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, it was crazy. Wow. And my midwife sat there watching the computer, watching me the entire time. Um, so it was about. 5.30 p.m., 5.30 a.m., sorry, yep. Yep. I woke up and I was like, my pelvis has opened, it's time to push. Yep. And there was another midwife in the room. She goes, no, it's not. It's been like three hours. And I'm like, no, no, no. I felt my pelvis completely, like I'm talking with my hands, you can't see. Yeah, like, yeah. Completely just opened. I was yep. like, it's, it's opened, it's shifted, it's time. So she checked me and she's like, oh, you're 10 centimetres. Oh, my God. I know. We hadn't called my doula. Like, she wasn't there. Yeah. I had a birth photographer with the first hello. Yeah. So they hadn't come either. Yeah. We'd let them know that, like, things are happening. We'll call you when we need you and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to wait. So we called them and I waited. I just held on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for about 45 minutes maybe, or they got there about 6.30, so yeah. about an hour by the time they got themselves organised, yeah. which I was fine. I was like, she's still going to move down the birth canal. She was still like right at the top of the canal. Yeah. Um, I wasn't worried. I was quite happy to hold her in until they got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was yeah. I waited the hour and they both got there and um, I had them switch off the epidural yeah. while I was waiting for them because I knew that I didn't want to push on my back um, and I wanted to get on all fours and you can do not a walking epidural, but yeah, being able to yeah. feel more, um, especially since it was time to push. I really knew that I needed to feel things. I knew coached pushing was bad or not recommended. Um, and you know, in order to protect my pelvic yeah. floor and all of that, um, yeah, so then I pushed for 45 minutes, which apparently I feel like that's a long time, but apparently isn't for a first baby. Yeah. Um, my midwife told me she pushed for four hours with her first and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I think I pushed for, <laughs> so for me that's short as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 45 is pretty, yeah. pretty decent. Um, It was a little bit of coach pushing. I couldn't feel as much, but I could still feel her 
um, moving. It was quite funny because after every push, I was like, is the head out? Is the head out? And my jeweler's like, honey, you're not even close. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I know. I was just like, one push, right? That's how it is in the movies, right? <laughs> oh, and they asked me, and I feel like this is important. Um, I was just felt so removed from pregnancy and like the labor process and felt so disconnected. They asked me if I wanted a mirror. They asked me if I wanted to touch. And I was like, oh my God, no. Like, why would anybody want to look at anything that's happening down there? Yeah. And it was just so, um, yeah, I, I feel like it really spoke to how I felt about the whole process and how I was within that process yep. if just so removed emotionally and disconnected yep. that um i ended up yeah i, I just yeah I, I had undiagnosed um antenatal depression for sure yeah um okay. which is unsurprising given everything yeah um yeah so i t- ended up going on my side um with one leg up slightly with my doula helping um to hold my leg and um yeah, and then she was born. Yeah. Um, so after 45 minutes. After more and, than um, one push. I had, yeah, after a lot more than one push. <laughs> um, and she was 2.9 kilos. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so six pounds, seven ounces. Yeah. Um, bigger than we thought. I was told, oh, my gosh, side tangent, but I was told at my 38-week ultrasound that maybe I wouldn't have a small baby if I didn't starve myself. <gasps> No, a hundred percent. That was by the Blacktown radiology ultrasound department. They said that she had no idea why I was there. Just you know, thirty-eight week growth scan. She had no idea that I had hyperemesis. That I was actually eating better than I was in the first trimester. Um, and I ate a lot of carbs. Like I should have been huge. That was all I could keep down. All I wanted was carbohydrates. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. So she, we thought she was going to be 2.5 kilos. So when she came out 2.9, I was like, holy crap. I mean, given the whole IV fluids and inflated birth weight and all that stuff, I think she probably was closer to 2.7. Yep. Um, by the time you take all that into account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, I, I was pretty stoked. I know, I know, I know. And my husband and midwife were in the room. <gasps> they didn't even hear her. Oh my God. I know. I was, and to this day, my husband doesn't remember it, but I do. Cause I remember, um, two week, uh, it was last week or this week I had a Facebook, I made a Facebook status about it six years ago, yeah. just in horror about how I was treated. Oh my God. And, um. Yeah, it was oh insane, but yeah, relevant because we thought she was only going to be so yeah, small, but yeah. she was way bigger than expected. So I was pretty stoked. Yeah, um, with that. Yeah, and um, I just remember pulling her onto my chest, and I just didn't feel anything. Yeah, wow. I was so exhausted because I've been awake for you know thirty. I don't know, 24 hours ish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did sleep for the couple of hours in labor, but I don't think that counts. counts. (laughs) It really doesn't count. A restful sleep. No, it's not a restful sleep. sleep. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah, so I was just emotionally spent. I hadn't eaten anything um, because they were worried, you know, back then it was still like you don't eat for risk of cesarean and aspiration and all of that stuff. Yeah, wow. And, um, yeah, it was 
so that was pretty much that. Yep. I uh, had a small tear, which they sutured, which I learned afterwards should not have even been sutured. Yeah, It was so minuscule. I had my private midwife look at it this time and she's like, that that's ridiculous. That could have healed naturally. But, yep. you know, hospital policy is anything more than a graze. Yeah. Wow. Is um, sutured. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that was Addison. And what was your, like, <laughs> postpartum, you know, having oh, yeah. antenatal anxiety, depression yep. and whatnot? Yep. So I was diagnosed with postnatal at nine weeks, yep. um, put on medication. She... <laughs> It didn't help either that she was a very challenging baby. Yeah. She screamed for the first seven months of her life oh, until blah, blah. we saw a baby Cairo. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had her diagnosed. Hello. I had a diagnosed, uh, not diagnosed. I sought out a tongue tie diagnosis for her because I had such trouble breastfeeding. Um, at six weeks, they said she didn't have one. Yeah. And I cried because I just wanted that to be the answer so, so yeah. much. It, I would have – she wasn't slow to gain. Yeah. She wasn't gaining heaps. Yeah. But it wasn't awful. It was just average. Yeah. But I had such excruciating pain and she was feeding for like an hour at a time wow. and then would scream all the time. My husband would um, let me sleep and he would pace the hallways oh. with her at like 4 o'clock in the morning so that I could recover oh from, gosh. you know, the horror that is that childbirth. Yeah. Um, so that was unsurprising that it was, you know, moved into postnatal depression and severe anxiety yeah. because she just never slept yeah. and screamed all the time. Oh. Um, and I, I respect the medication. Yeah. I, it made me numb. So there's a lot of her first 18 months or so that I just can't really recall. Yeah. Um, I respect it in that it got me through. Yeah. Where, what, where I needed because I was this close to leaving. Yeah, um, wow. I actually called the doctor saying my baby won't stop crying. And she wasn't concerned with that. She was more concerned with me and then called my husband at work who said, you need to go home to your wife oh. immediately. Oh so he packed up and left and I had just put her in her cot screaming yeah. as per the doctor's yeah. orders and just sat in her room. Just, I wasn't crying. I, I was I was just sitting there waiting. It was, yeah, it, yeah. I'm getting a bit emotional about it now, which is crazy because I didn't have any emotions regarding that. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Well then, I guess, like, no, no wonder you waited six years. Right. (laughs) Like one and done for a reason. That's what a. One and done for a huge reason. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like, if this is what it's like, I don't want it. Yeah, totally understandable. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. And um, she, once she started moving and um, talking and was on the go, every year has gotten better. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the terrible twos because it can't possibly get worse than what it yeah, was. Yeah, wow. So to me, she was amazing at two, amazing yeah. at three. Hey. And it just got yeah. better. And she's so, so ridiculously smart. Yeah. Um, I know every parent thinks that about their kid, but uh, people come up to me and they're just like, are you sure she's only five? And she, once she learned to talk, she just spoke in paragraphs from the get go pretty much. Um, She just observed everything around her and was like, okay, cool. I'm ready to start talking. And it was yeah, yeah, full sentences, full paragraphs. It was wild. Yeah. And she was so happy after that. Yeah. Yeah. And Cairo, of course. Yeah. 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 
Um, so what did she, what was she like when she found out she was going to be a big sister? She was over the moon. Yeah. Um, yes, we, she knew almost before we did. So I found out I was pregnant at about two and a half weeks. Yep. (laughs) Because, um, my period was late and I had taken out my IUD for health reasons also. It was going to come out regardless of whether we were having another baby. My husband was booked in for a vasectomy that month yeah. as well. And um, so, like, November, this time last year, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so I'd taken it out and I really thought I should have a period. So I was just testing and testing and testing and I didn't get a positive test until I was six weeks pregnant, technically, from the date of my last yeah. period. Yeah. And um, I don't know how she knew. She started talking about babies and we hadn't said anything to her and um she just i don't know it was weird she just was like oh like we're gonna have a baby and i was like how do you know can you hear him <laughs> yeah that's yeah okay. he's here. this one's a very much a talker yeah um yeah, yeah. and uh she just yeah she just knew it was very strange yeah but, um yes yeah. yeah, so i took myself off to the doctor's yeah. Um, expecting to be six weeks pregnant and I was so confused because I had got a positive test at the day after my period with Addison because I hadn't yeah. tested early. I hadn't expected it to be the first time we tried, which we are extremely yeah. blessed and very scared. <laughs> that had <Yeah>. happened both <laughs> times. Um, like I have conception dates marked in my calendar because I knew yeah, exactly well. when it was and yeah, it's very scary. Um, yeah, so and they couldn't see yeah. anything. And they were like, nope, yeah. you could, can't be past four weeks. You must be wrong. Um, yeah. Which I'm like, I'm not wrong. I track everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, so I waited two agonizing weeks. Yeah. Oh, what's wrong? And I, and went back at six weeks and they're like, yep, okay, you're now – or went back at what was then – eight weeks and they're like yep now you're six weeks pregnant we can see something so the you know gestational age um of the fetus is four weeks six weeks when you take into account your period yeah i was like technically we're eight weeks but whatever yeah um that's why it's a guest date right because there's so many different versions right ridiculous um but i just think as well the iud had made me ovulate later yeah and we just were lucky and happened to catch it at the right time yeah um which yeah so so very lucky yeah because i just assumed once you took it out it would go back to normal so i was like yep two weeks you know make a baby and um yeah very lucky (laughs) yeah exactly yeah 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 and And um i guess also going back to you know this experience with addison like I I suppose like you know once you decided that you would have like you know a try for another baby. Yep. Yep. What kind of was your thought process in? I don't want that to happen again. Like, is that when you started to look yeah. into home birth or? So I had started. I had been researching and learning everything I could about births for the last couple of years. Okay. Um. Yeah. I learned so much about breech birth. No idea why. It just fascinated me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could probably do a breech birth because <laughs> I know all the things that you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I just 
in my mind or deep down I was just like my experience can't be the way that it's supposed to be yeah and I had always said no 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 to another baby because it was just easier than dealing with all the emotions that came with accepting to have one um and and dealing with all of that PTSD essentially yeah um Yes, so I had actually contacted um, a midwife or a bunch of midwives up here because we knew we were moving up to the Hunter Valley um, at the start of this year and I didn't want to give birth at Singleton Hospital, um, which would be my closest one, which ironically is much nicer than Maitland now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I, to me, in my mind, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's – a whole, I can't possibly give birth there. My experience would be even worse than Blacktown. Yeah. Um, yeah, you agree. And um, <laughs> it's actually very nice now. It's been redone and it's apparently a very nice space. Yeah. But, yeah, I contacted, um, I think it's Home Birth Movement Newcastle, and she sent me a bunch of people to get in contact with. I sent them oh, all cool. a really long text explaining what I wanted. Like, I yeah. didn't want... GBS testing. I didn't want to test for gestational diabetes because I'd done a lot of reading on that as well. Yeah. Um, and who I wanted a midwife that would support me in those choices or at least help me do more research and education as to why I would or wouldn't test for those. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my beautiful midwife, Aneka, um, replied to me. And um, I had two phone consults with two different midwives and I just, she, she ordered me blood tests before even signing on with her so we could get a baseline because she knew I didn't want to test for gestational diabetes. And I hadn't even said yes to her yet. Does that like, she didn't even know I was going to be a client of hers and she was just so willing to help me. And for me, that's what sealed the deal like I just trusted my gut and was like I think this is the right person for us yeah and um I still at that point hadn't even planned for a home birth I just knew I needed that continuous pre and postnatal care to make my experience different because I wasn't sure if I was going to have hyperemesis again and what my pregnancy was going to look like and all of that jazz yeah um so we moved I was seven weeks pregnant on the day Which was a story in itself because the night before we'd gone to pick up our six-week ultrasound results from the doctor, you know, they get sent back and we did that the night before. We didn't have Addison. She was sleeping at my my mother-in-law's house just to make moving easier and then we'd just collect her on the way up because it's a bit of a – it's about a two-hour drive where we moved away from. And um, the ultrasound said there was no heartbeat. Great. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? What do you mean? She showed it to me. She said, congratulations. It was 140 beats a minute. I remember what it was. Yeah. And um, the doctor was like, I'm very sorry. And I'm like, fine, write me a new thing. I'm going for an ultrasound. What? Um, I have to do it before I move because I I had no idea. I didn't have a GP up here. I had no idea where anything was. I just felt lost. Yeah. When I was moving up here, I'm like, I have zero medical anything up here. If my baby yeah. has passed, that's fine. But I need to know, 
do I have to start this medical process? Am I going to suddenly get very sick moving house? Do we need to delay the move? We had the option too because we're both on school holidays being teachers. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I didn't want to be half through moving house, trying to clean a rental. I didn't want to be having this this you know septic. Yeah, like if if I had no heartbeat, it was had been a week already since that ultrasound. Yeah. Why hadn't I miscarried? Why hadn't yeah. my body taken care of this process? But that's so, so weird. Why? I know. I know. What the heck? I know. I know. This whole pregnancy has been wild. Um. So on moving day, I called all these places and I got myself an ultrasound at 9 a.m. around the yep. corner. And yep. I was so heightened. Like, you can hear it in my voice now. I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, because I, I knew I needed it done there. I needed to stay. Like, my husband could move. But I needed to take care of this process because I was terrified of getting sick yeah. and bedridden and everything. Yeah. Um, the lady was so beautiful and she gave me an ultrasound and she's like, we're, I took the report with me and she's like, we're going to ignore this. We'll just start from scratch and see how we go. And she yep. showed me the heartbeat and she's like, nope, that is a beautiful seven-week-old baby. Oh. Um, and so, I, yeah, I was livid and relieved at the same time. So I, what the heck happened? How did yep. that... What? I called the place that I went to because obviously I went to a different ultrasound place. Yeah. And... um. I was so angry and I was and explained the situation. Turns out they'd looked at the wrong ultrasound to write the report. So they'd read someone what? else's ultrasound. And I was like, I'm sorry, so you have different medical like different medical files open in front of you while you're trying to do the job and cause me unnecessary stress. Oh my god. So, and I'll never go back there. This same place then called me in May, so we moved in January. Yeah. I got a phone call in May saying I'd missed a doctor's appointment. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, or I had ultrasound results ready to pick up in May. And I was like, I live two hours away. I have not visited you. What What are you doing? And they're like, oh, well, we must have assigned your phone number to someone else's file. I'm like, how the F do you do that? Like, what are you doing with these people's files? Honestly. (laughs) So never going back there. Gosh, what the heck? So you had that whole awful skin experience, which I just, I like, what the heck? (laughs) What the heck? Because... I know, right? Putting um, our faith in ultrasound. Because basically they were saying that your baby <laughs> or the, the fetus was dead. Like, So what if I hadn't have sought, had yeah. sought out another opinion and just said, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, I'll just take a pill yeah. like to make what? it pass? Oh, anyways. Because, yeah. <laughs> so. I know, um, I know. So you got the confirmation. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So we moved house. Yes. So we had a baby, moved house. Told Addison on moving day and then regretted that choice because I was like, oh, my God, she can't keep a secret. Um, (laughs) So we moved in with my mum and dad up here and I wanted to surprise them because, you know, we're one and done. No one is expecting this from us at all. And I wanted to take a photo with her holding a baby onesie that I bought on Etsy that said plot twist. Yeah. And I'll send you the photo. It was so good. Um, oh, best ever. And um, I think I got a photo with him yeah. in it as well, like, of course. Um, 
and I'm, I'm like, I need to take the photo and print the photo and then find time to give it to them. And every day she's oh. like, is it time yet? Is it time yet? I'm like, it's not <laughs> time. Stop asking. <laughs> and we couldn't, I know, I'm like, we couldn't say anything without fear. But I think because we were so hyper aware and they just were so, you know, that's yeah. the last thing on their mind. They didn't pick up on any cues or signals yeah. or anything like that. Um. She almost gave it away at Christmas as well. And she's like, can we tell everyone about the baby? And she's literally (laughs) whispering that loudly. And I like freaked out and I'm like, oh, about my friend's baby. (laughs) Yeah, they already know about it. (laughs) I just was panicked the whole time because I obviously wasn't drinking. Yeah, and around Christmas time. Yeah, and I put it down to, like, new medication that I was on for my health issues. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be drinking and... My one of my husband's brothers, when we sent the announcement photo to him, was like, "Oh, see, I thought so," and I was like, "No, you did not." And he's like, "Yeah, I did. You weren't drinking." And I make myself sound like an alcoholic, which I'm not. But I was like, "I told you, yeah. I was sick. Like, there's a difference." And he's like, "No, no, you ha- you were pregnant." So I was just like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> that annoyed me so much. Um. Anyway, yeah, and then um, I met, finally met Aneka and, um, yeah, things just, you know, we had a big birth debrief session similar to this yeah. um, of how Addison's birth went and what I wanted differently. And she's honestly the most nurturing soul I've ever met, um, which is was so strange for me at first because I'm so not a nurturer. Yeah. I'm not a kind I'm I'm kind. I'm not a gentle <laughs> patient person and she is just a breath of fresh air. She is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And um yeah. So then So we're sorry, yeah, was just was she a, a um kind of like a, a private s- practicing midwife. Yeah, cool. So she works by herself yeah. and then gets other she midwives does. to be the second. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, so she has other – yes, so I wasn't too confident with that in terms of who was going to be there yep. um, because you just never know who's available. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't even know if your midwife is available depending on when you go into labour. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I knew that I would get to know her and that would be the right choice yep. and she was going to be there. So between her and my husband, I didn't really need anyone else. Yeah. Um, so it didn't matter who was there and I still wasn't set on the home birth when we first met her. I think I was about nine ish weeks. I just really needed to know a bit more about it. And I can't even remember when that changed. I think it was just, I don't even think we discussed it. it. It just went from being unsure to prepping for a home birth. Yeah. Okay. One day. Yeah. It was just somewhere along the end of that first trimester, I was just like, well, yeah, I'll give birth here. Like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. It was just so weird. Um, I think because I started listening to all the Great Birth Rebellion yeah. and a lot of the Midwives Cauldron podcasts. Yeah. And um, I love Rachel Reed so much. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of fell in love with the whole idea of I can do this and my body was made to do this and all of that. Yeah. And you said your um, yeah. husband's name is Robert? Yes, yeah. he is. And yeah. so what were his, like, initial thoughts about all of he this? He was uh, – he wasn't reserved. He is very much more scientifically um, inclined than I am. Okay, yeah. Um, so he was like, if the evidence is saying that 
this is a better process and there's enough evidence to support home birth and I would get I would send in the podcast and say I need you to list tell me the statistics tell me what this means yeah because they would talk about it on the great birth rebellion and I'm like is this good or is this bad yeah 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 and so he was basically like look the science says you'll be fine yeah and I'm like great I'll be fine yeah so he was really on board with that and he's very much a this is your body this is your choice and I'll support you in that I he knows I'm not the person to be so risk adverse to make the wrong choice um especially like we were faced with that towards the end of the pregnancy as well where I was like okay do I need to give up my idea of a home birth to protect my baby which I 100% would have done yeah devastating as that is yeah if it came to it and he needed yeah. immediate afterlife care, yep, yeah. done, would have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he trusted me and he's like, it's not, I can't force you to do anything. Like, it's your body. You, yeah. you have to be comfortable and then I will support you in that. So I'm very lucky yeah. in that regard because I know not a, a lot of husbands are terrified. Yeah. Um, And I think more because they're terrified of losing their partner. Yeah, yeah. In labor because things do happen. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, 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 yeah it can amazing. be scary. That's really great that um, you're <coughs> able to say, yeah, that kind of prevents just like passive listening. You know, if you're like, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. I need you to actually tell me like what oh, this yeah. podcast is actually saying. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that's like empowering for him, obviously, as well. So that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and like, what about family or friends? Like, so my sister-in-law is a nurse, yeah. and she actually had a home birth with her boy in June last year. And oh, cool. I was very lucky because, obviously, we moved in. I said earlier with my mum and dad, and my mum was very, very terrified of my sister-in-law having a home birth to the point where I actually, my sister-in-law would come to me and say, I I need you, like, this is what's going on. I need you to step in again. And I'm like, yep, no worries. I'll do that. And, um, I basically, um, said to mum, it's not your body. It's not your baby. It's not even your daughter. It's not your choice. You have to back off. If I trust anyone to have a home birth, it would be her. She's a nurse. She's in the medical profession. Yeah she she knows yeah and um yep one i think once he was successfully born yep. my mom was like oh oh okay because i mean i me and my brother were born in the 90s and you just that was the era of blindly trusting the doctor and blindly trusting the midwives and when they say you're not making enough milk yeah. okay cool you just do formula like that's yeah. the era that I'm from yeah 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 so it was a big learning curve for her so I was very lucky that I didn't have to fight with her about that yeah. because at the end of the day this is their house and I wanted to birth here of course yeah I've actually yeah seen... so she could have put her foot down yeah I've actually seen um some a question like that in the home birth australia group recently and being like oh, oh like really? my my in-laws or my parents or something they won't let us i like, saw that birth at home and so people yes. are like oh go to an, go airbnb. an airbnb yeah yep. did you do any um extra extra like education or anything like that with the pregnancy of quinton um yes so just i listened to a podcast every time i was in the car on my way to work um really just and 
reading the Home Birth Australia uh, Facebook group yep. for stories and just really learning about the physiological process. So a lot of, um, I know people dislike Facebook and Instagram, but I think there's such valuable tools mm. to get that information out there. Um, especially for, you know, breastfeeding, birthing processes, antenatal depression, like all of those aspects that are just swept under the rug from, from my, um, my mum's era. Yeah. Um, I think they're such valuable tools. So a lot of learning on Instagram and reading and following midwives and, and birthing, um, pages and and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I also did some um, pre-birth counselling sessions because it was quite – it was funny. My midwife had said I was her easygoing, um, relaxed, nothing phased me um, client until about 32 weeks (laughs) and we had a meeting. Okay. (laughs) And she she goes, oh, what – you know, what are you thinking? And I just lost it. I broke down and I was like, I am so terrified of not feeling anything when he's born. Yeah. Wow. Because I, that was my experience with Addison. And she goes, Oh, there it is. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> and um, so she referred me to this amazing lady who I recommend to everybody. So I had my um, sessions with her via zoom, even yep. though she's in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, and she is a psychotherapist. Her name's Tamara. And I comment her I comment her on everything. I was just like, go and see Tamara, go and see Tamara. Yeah. She was amazing. And um my first fear we talked about was me wanting time alone. Um I knew my mum and dad would obviously meet the baby and be here, like, you know, within that first day. I didn't get a choice about that. Yeah. But I was worried that my mother-in-law would want to come up straight away and nothing against her. She is amazing and um, was a little apprehensive about the whole home birth aspect, but I was just, you know, this is her second grandbaby like ever as well. I just was worried that she would want to come up like literally the next day. And I just, I didn't want that. I wanted time. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to feel ready. So she helped me work through that. And um, our second session was envisioning the birth and, I just couldn't envision how my birth would go and I felt stuck and overwhelmed and she had me close my eyes and it was amazing and she's just tell me what you see and I was in this super dark dark gray cloudy swimming pool okay um in the middle of nowhere like so um just in the middle of a field like very vast expanse and um, I was standing on the outside of the pool and she goes, okay, um, hop in the pool. And I goes, I can't, it's not time yet. And for me, it was like, you know, I'm 32 or 34, 36 weeks. It wasn't time to get in the, in the pool. It yeah. was not time for labor. I knew it wasn't coming soon. Yeah. And um, she's like, who's there with you? And, and anyway, it was this wow. big um, emotional uncovering, imagining what my birth would be like. And, so many um metaphors that came out of that um so when I finally was like okay yep I can hop in the pool um where's Rob and Aneka and I was she's like can they get in with you and I was like no they can't hop in yeah and it was such a metaphor in itself because while they can physically get in the pool yeah um when in the actual birth 
you're still doing everything on your own. Yeah. Like you are alone in that birthing process. Yeah. Which sounds really depressing, but for me, it was just a. I knew they were there. They could pull me out of the pool. Yeah. They could pull me. They could help me. But I was alone in that grey pool. Yeah. Storm cloud. The the whole flurry that is labour. Yeah. Yeah. And that really helped me see that I was safe. Yeah. Like they could pull me out. They could help hold me afloat above out of the pool. Yeah. Um, and I was feeling really overwhelmed with all the podcasts that I was listening to at the time of this session. Yeah. And Tamara said, okay, we need to take some of that information out of your brain. What don't you need to know yet? What is past? Yeah. So, you know, you didn't test for gestational diabetes. We don't need that information anymore. How can we remove that? Where are we going to put it? And I have this problem where when I don't want to look at something anymore, I just go put it in the garage in my house. <laughs> so in my dream, in my vision, well. <laughs> right? There's a, that's a metaphor. She's like, where, we got to put it in the garage. Yeah. Oh, we had the best session. It was so good. Wow. Um, yeah. And so she's like, you need to stop listening to podcasts. And I was like, yeah, I do. I do. I have enough information required. I now need to almost hunker down. Yeah. And I was getting so much outside stimulation from like girls chats and, and, you know, I, um, and I was an admin for like a local page in my community, like a mum's group. And I just left. I was like, nah, I'm done. I'm done admitting. I said to the girls, I need to leave the group chat. I need to do it for me. Yeah. And, um, that was the day before. So we're tangenting into the next section. Um, the day before I, had the IGR scare with yeah. him. Yeah. So again, small baby. Um, and I'd have been having reduced fetal movements because I had an interior placenta. Not that that okay. slowed him down because if I hadn't had an interior placenta, <laughs> oh my God, I definitely could have been the star on Prometheus again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was so, so grateful for that placenta. For placenta. Thank God. <laughs> Oh my goodness, because this kid does not stop moving. Even right now I'm watching him and he's just like, like a jelly bean, jumping jelly bean. (laughs) He's ridiculous. And, um, I'd had reduced movements and I'd brought it up to my midwife a couple of times. And she's like, how, how do you feel about this? And I'm like, I'm okay. He moves. He's just moving less for him. I'm just want to sit with it and see how we feel. Um, and all that. And then on the, the I think I was 37 and six yep or no 37 and three I don't know it was almost 38 weeks yeah or almost 37 weeks anyway it gets so fuzzy these days would you were you um, um back at work no so I'd stopped work yeah now yeah 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 so I worked about to 34 weeks, had a break for the school holidays, and then I went back and did one day just to maximize um, the time between the Centrelink. Oh, hey, I was worried if I'd gone, um, if I went to like 43 weeks, I wouldn't have worked enough and my break would have been too big to get the Centrelink money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to do one day and I yeah. did my one day, and then I was like, I'm free. Done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was off work and she was like, look, 
your belly measurement's not great. We know he's so low. He was so, so, so low. I was surprised he was still in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's like, if I could just look in and see a head, she'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, she's like, how are you walking? And I was like, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's like, I, she's like, I'm starting to now get a little worried with the reduced movements the lowered be- uh, belly measurement yeah i think we should send you for a growth scan and yep. i said yeah i think so too she's like there's two options you can do a full ultrasound or you can just get the mcas and the dopplers so i don't know if you know what they those are um no the doppler is the measurement of the blood flowing through the cord from the placenta to the baby okay yep. and the mca is the brain flow in the baby's brain the okay. brain flow the blood flow yeah, yeah, in the yeah, baby's yeah. brain yeah. yeah so if those numbers and there's a whole bunch of numbers that my husband did some research on for me as well yeah as my midwife and i don't remember any of those numbers i was just like tell me what to do yeah 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 <laughs> um <laughs> And if those numbers look good, everything's fine. Your placenta's not failing. Um, your baby doesn't have a growth restriction. Um, and so we, we looked into Rachel Reed's research on that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I asked for her opinion on IUGR and she said, um, she's like, I'm not giving medical advice, but look at MCAs and look at Dopplers and make your decision from there. Yeah. And, um, and then my midwife saw another very prominent person in the midwifery community. I can't remember who it was, but yeah. you know, we sat there and, and explained everything on what we should do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, we did the, the growth scan the next day and, um, <laughs> another ultrasound story. So the lady in the ultrasound is like, should I be looking for a left kidney? Huh? And I'm like, um, yes, yes, you should. Yes, yes, please find everything that is supposed to be there. I decided to go for everything. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, she goes, I can't find it. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't find a kidney? It was there at the um 20-week scan, which I also had two morphology scans because the, they predicted he was like, had weird growth then as well, okay, like yeah. 90th percentile head. Yeah. And, um, oh my goodness, I had a marginal cord insertion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, we were like, okay, that's weird. It wasn't picked up at 12 weeks. So my midwife was like, let's send you for another morphology scan. So I did that. Wasn't mentioned. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And the measurements for the baby came back 75th percentile. So I was like, great. Yeah. Normal size baby all round, normal cord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, 37 week ultrasound had the marginal cord insertion picked up again yeah and the and new kidney issues what the heck and his abdominal circumference was three percent according to the ultrasound measurement (laughs) yeah yeah and head was i think head was 15 but by the time you average everything out we were looking at a ninth percentile right and i left and anyway she called in another ultrasound tech to find the kidney and they finally found it and it was like half the size that it was supposed to be so i left there on the way to pick up addison bawling my eyes out on the phone to my midwife yeah being like oh my god I'm really and she's like okay all right 
Um, she got the report, called Maitland, no, called John Hunter Hospital yep. and was like, what do we do? Yep. What do we need to do? Because this is now like a medical situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, we've got this ninth percentile baby with an extremely tiny abdomen. The Dopplers and MCAs look good, so we know everything's okay, but kidney issues, what is this baby's immediate birth care going to look like, right? Yeah. So we traipsed to Maitland the next morning. She met me there at like 9 a.m., and they weren't happy with the Cessnock results. Yeah. Which is the hospital that I got it done at. Yeah. And um, they sent me for another ultrasound. I waited. So this is 9 a.m. I waited till 6 p.m. for that ultrasound. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep, yep, yep. My midwife was like, I have to leave you. My dad came and hung out with me for a while and brought me, like, my iPad and snacks and stuff what? like that. Because I Why did thought I would so end up. Why did it so long? Oh, Maitland, the worst hospital in New South Wales, even according to the birth stats. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And he had to leave. He, I was like, go and get Addison from school for me. And then my husband left work. He works in the city in Newcastle and came and met me at the hospital because I wanted him. And I was like, mum and dad can look after Addison, get her whatever she wants, McDonald's, whatever. I don't know how long I'm going to be. I don't know if I was going to be induced tonight. Like yeah. I had no idea what the situation was. Yeah. 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 Um, that ultrasound lady, that Maitland hospital was so rude to me as well. Uh, she held me down on the bed. I was having contractions of Braxton Hinks at the time, held me down while I was trying to get comfortable. I had to lay flat for the ultrasound, which I never had to do. It's not sat me up slightly. Yeah. She made me lay flat on the bed and was holding my legs when I was trying to just shift through the uncomfortableness of the Braxton Hicks. What? Cried because she said, I cried because she said I didn't need an ultrasound because I had one yesterday. And I was like, that's not for you to decide. The birth unit has ordered another one to see and get secondary measurements because they're not convinced. What the heck? Of the findings of Cessna. Yeah. I am just so over ultrasounds. Oh, my gosh. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I was crying through this ultrasound. Yeah. We went back up to birth unit. Yeah. Went back up to birth unit afterwards. Yeah. Waiting for the results. I had an obstetrician come in and was like, nope, everything looks fine. The kidney looks fine. The baby's come back looking all normal. You can go home. And I was like, great. We went home at like, I don't know, 8.30, 9 p.m. at night. Yeah. Um, saw my midwife the next day yeah. and she was like, well, what do we do? And I was like, I don't like the fact that both ultrasounds are so different. I feel like we need a third one for how, I just, how more information. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, how my baby can't go from being ninth percentile to baby to being like a 25th average percentile baby yeah. overnight. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. And I'm like, the kidney can't go from looking way too small to looking normal. Yeah. Like, no. yeah. So she's like, all right, let's wait a week. Okay. And go back to Cessnock because that was the weird ultrasound place. Yeah. And I was like, yep, cool. So we did it on 38 and 1, I think. Yeah. Um, for that third ultrasound. Yeah. On the Tuesday before, I had a preeclampsia scare. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm like, we haven't even got to the birth, birthing part yet. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so I, I just felt really dizzy and I took my blood pressure. My mum has a machine at home. And um, yeah, so 
it was really high for me and I sent a picture to my midwife and she knows that I have low blood pressure in pregnancy and she called me and she's like, I'm coming immediately yeah. to take your blood pressure. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at. And um, it was really high again. It didn't go down. And she's like, I think we need to go to hospital for monitoring. Let's do the right thing. If this is preeclampsia, you don't get to have a home birth anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, yep. And I was actually okay at that point because I was so torn on what do I do for my, I I wasn't ready to give up my home birth like emotionally, but for this IUGR when like Addison, they said she had it and she came out totally fine. And I know that, you know, there's so many stories of the baby being too big and too small and all that ridiculousness with ultrasounds. And I'm just like, I don't want to blindly put my faith in this ultrasound yeah yeah so like if it was preeclampsia and i got that choice taken away from me i was i was okay with that yeah yeah um because then it became a medical situation yeah which is and i think that's what um yeah it's like such a common misconception about home birth that Mm -hmm. like oh it's dangerous and you're putting yourself at risk and you're putting the baby at risk and blah 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 blah. we all know those stories um but actually there's like you know, it, a wild pregnancy is different, and um, yes, I, I find those stories incredibly, incredibly empowering because there's so much noise that you have to tune out. But if you cho- if you choose to have um, a level of medical support during your pregnancy, like like the midwives are trained to like, you, yep. it's like you know, it's being monitored, and if something yep. medical does happen. It's not like the hospital is not an option. Like you can have the baby exactly. in the hospital if yep. there is a an actual risk, a high risk to you, not just something that's like written in a research paper somewhere that 5% of all women and then it's just like it's not individualized at all. But if there's no. an actual risk, like no one's saying, oh, I'm going to take this massive risk. So... No, yeah. no, exactly. And I am so risk adverse. Like I wasn't going to put myself in harm's way yeah. just yeah. to avoid an induction or a cesarean yeah. or anything like that. Like yeah. I'm not stupid. Like, yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, yes. Yeah, so yes, we had the, so we went into the hospital and they were looking at, you know, the ultrasound results and, um, my monitoring and that all came back normal. My blood pressure was fine. Yeah. Of course. By the time we got to the hospital and, um, Oh, I had this OBG come to talk to me about induction and I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah. And, um, her reasoning for it was flawed in my opinion. It was specifically for the IUGR, um, issues. Yeah. And um, not for the kidney issues. Yeah. Whereas in my mind, IEGR is is thrown around like, you know, like it's nothing these days. A true IEGR baby will show your MCAs and Dopplers failing yeah. long yeah. before you have a problem. A true IEGR baby will have been picked up yeah. at a morphology scan earlier like those babies are failure to thrive the yeah. placenta doesn't make it yeah. that far usually yeah i was 30 almost 38 weeks yeah most iugr babies are born at 
34 to 37 weeks yeah, yeah. according to the research papers that yeah. I looked into. Yeah. So I'm like, I am already past the danger zone for IUGR babies. Yeah, this yeah. cannot be a true IUGR baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, and her reasoning, yeah, was for the IGR. And I was like, but what about kidneys? And she's like, oh, no, that's not really a big deal. I'm like, then what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're holding me. And I questioned, I spent 45 minutes questioning her. Yeah. Um, my midwife was so impressed um, that I was asking her about all these procedures, all these policies. I wanted a hands-off if I was going to agree to an induction. I wanted to pull my own baby out. Yeah. I wanted to birth my own placenta because yeah. I knew about my marginal cord. Yeah. I was terrified of needing manual extraction because hospital policy is syntocin yeah. and manual extract um, cord traction. Yeah. And to me, I was just like, I'm going to end up in surgery anyway. I may as well sign up for a cesarean. Yeah. If I'm yeah. going to need, if I'm going to need that manually removed. Yeah. Um, do you know what she said to me? She goes, oh, you can't pull out your own baby. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, oh, you're very noisy. Um, she goes, oh, yeah, you can't reach. And I was like, what? What? Oh, what do you mean? I was like, I'm sorry. Have you never touched your own vagina? Like, what? What? Are you, what? Oh, yeah. And she's gosh. like, no, no, no. You have to have a midwife deliver your baby. And I was like, like I still can't even get over that. Like, what? I'm sorry. Have you never put a tampon in like how do you not reach your own vagina oh my like my belly's not that massive that it's in the way and you can go around like i'm not the size of a house but like how are you and large women going to pull out their own babies all the time that's right how do you wipe i didn't even think about that (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh my my, god yeah it's just i was like what do you mean what it was the most effed up statement i have ever heard from a doctor this far what that's really yeah, sad yeah. actually because like it is it is it's and sad she's a prominent her. doctor in sydney yeah like that's sad yeah. for her that she has this belief but yes sad for all the women that like are, dis- are under her care yeah, that are disempowered mm. saying you can't even touch mm-hmm. your own vagina jesus yes Yes, and I'm just and she was just up there to cover like they were short staffed. So yeah. my midwife was like, "You're just wasting your time." She doesn't even know any of the hospital policies, so just yeah. let her go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my midwife had to leave, and in the end, I ended up saying to her because you couldn't, she couldn't give me the guarantee that I would be able to birth my own baby and pull out my own placenta. I said I decline induction yeah. at this point. Yeah, she got really cranky and she left. Yeah, and uh, we went home. Yeah, and I went for a scan the next day, and I I find, um, cycling back to the Tamara thing, me stopping listening to the podcast and clearing my mind of that space allowed me to take in the new information for mm. the kidney and the IGR and have the energy and the drive to fight against the hospital system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the ridiculousness that is all of that. I just felt like he was telling me you need to shut everything out you need to hunker in and listen to me for to prepare to prepare for the birth and and to find the courage in yourself to actually do it yeah 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 um that's a really good point actually yeah 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 um we had another really uh, another ultrasound at Cessnock the next day that came back matching the Maitland one okay so ironically enough I now had two good ultrasounds and one weird hinky one yeah 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 so two out of three 
Yeah. yeah. And I was like, great, I'm happy with that. Yeah. We met with my midwife again and she's like, because we saw Maitland, we need to sign a, not an against medical advice, but a risk of, a risk assessment type thing. Okay, yeah. So she typed up this massive document that basically said, here's the situation, here's what's recommended by the hospital, here's what our action plan is for the next week and then we'll reassess in a week yeah. and we signed that. Yeah. So that we signed on like the Saturday before. Yep. Um Yeah, and my due date was the Tuesday. So yep. we signed that on the Saturday. Yeah. Um so I think I was yeah, thirty nine and a half at this point and we were gonna revisit on the Wednesday. So that was a week after the ultrasound. Past the due date, I was very comfortable waiting to at least 40 and one till I saw her and got her opinion again. Cause I was like, I'm not even due yet. Like my placenta isn't failing. Let's, we can even then do another ultrasound later on. Yeah. Yeah. I guess through all of this, so, like, yeah. did you have any space to like prepare, you know, your, um, like space for birth? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I hired a birth pool, from this lady in Charlestown who, um, or in Newcastle, who hires them out. I put up curtains. I had fairy lights. Yeah. Um, I had my dad help me set it all up and, like, pad the floor because we've got floorboards and everything. And my mum had kept all these towels from my sister-in-law's home birth. Oh, amazing. Um, Yeah, so I had just set that up. And um, I'm not really an affirmation person. Yeah. Um, so I didn't put anything like that up. I just knew I wanted a, a, a white space, a clear space, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is quite funny if you think about the birth pool vision being so, like, murky. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to remove as much visual noise yeah, yeah. as possible yeah. so I can just tune in to my space and just be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just – we have a little um, – what would be considered the kids rumpus room and we've got that set up as like our little lounge room um at the back of mum and dad's house so that's where i set up the pool yeah so i could have privacy you know if i wanted to be naked walking around i didn't have to do it in the main lounge room and all of that stuff um and then i didn't want them i didn't want mum and dad at the birth like i just wanted it to be rob and me and um, my midwife and so yeah mum and dad were obviously fine with that yeah um, yeah, so we were able to have that private space. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the back of the house. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And so, um, when did you go into labour then? So, um, it's quite funny because I had an almost ac- car accident on the Thursday, oh my gosh. dropping my daughter from school, <laughs> and I had had an almost on the identical Thursday before she was born had a car ac- had ran a red light. <laughs> Oh, wow. At almost the, on a Thursday as well. Um, the way their birth stories are was just so similar. It's it's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so had that, and that freaked me out, and I was just like, oh, my God, it's deja vu. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it was wild. Anyway, so Monday morning I woke up, and I was like, well, I'm going to be pregnant for at least another week. Um, there's no signs. I mean, I had been losing a little bit of my mucus plug here and there, but it was so little and just like the slightest hint of pink. I was like, no, nothing, nothing is, um, you know, it's obviously regenerating every time. Um, I started to 
put paint stripper on this bookshelf. Yeah. And um, I'd, the project that I'd wanted to do before we even moved up here, and I'd put it off all pregnancy. And yeah. uh, 39 and 6 was like the best day to start doing that, yes, obviously. Of course, duh. <laughs> And it was one you had to wait an hour because it was like a slightly safer one. Yeah, yeah. So I put it on and then was sitting on the couch um, out in the family room, like the main lounge room, eating my lunch and mum was leaving for work. Yeah. And it was like 10 past or 8 past 2 and um, she left and I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I hate this couch so much. It's so uncomfortable. Wouldn't it be so funny if my waters broke all over it and you couldn't fix it? Not even two minutes later, I felt this huge release of pressure and I thought I'd peed myself. So I ran down to our bathroom, dripping the whole way. And then once I finally relaxed in the the toilet little room, it was just this massive puddle at my floor. And um, my husband was working from home and I was like, Rob, Rob. And he thought he came running out. He thought I was actually like giving a birth. <laughs> and I was like, my water broke. Oh my God. And um, yeah, it's funny because he's in a meeting at the time and I'm like hysterical. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I fully expected contractions to start. Yeah. And um, I cleaned myself up, got changed. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pick up Addison from school yeah. because, you know, school finishes at three. So it's about 45 minutes before. Yeah. And um, I called my midwife who um, was on the phone getting another opinion about the ultrasounds and everything. Yeah. And um, I, she didn't answer the phone, so I texted her, and I was like, my water broke. And she's like, oh, cool. I can hang up. We don't need your opinion. She's in labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yep, she called me. I sent her pictures of everything, and she's like, right, pick up Addie. I will come to you. Take your blood pressure. Like, you know, game on now. Um, we'll see where we're at. And yeah go from there yeah. and so I picked up Addison crying my eyes out the whole way yeah realizing that this is probably the last time I'm ever going to pick her up from school without oh, a baby of um took her for ice cream went for McDonald's oh. every time <laughs> it's so funny every time I um coughed or sneezed yeah. more I, and I had more fluid came out so I was sitting in this puddle in the driver's seat I know it was so gross. Um, she had no idea. Um, yeah. And so then my midwife came and Addison got to listen to the heartbeat and, and my midwife was like, I'm going to go home. It was like six or five 30 PM or something like that. She's like, I'm going to sleep. Call me. Don't text me. Call me. Yeah. Yeah. When you need me. Yeah. And that was it. We just went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I was like, I'm still effing pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing happened. And, um, called her and was like, yeah, so nothing's happened. She's like, yeah. I woke up and was like, oh, I had a good night's sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so I dropped Addison at school. And um, thankfully, my husband was at home. Yeah. Because, you know, he told his team, yep, her waters have broken. We're on standby now. I'm going to work from home until things happen. Yeah. So I was very comfortable waiting longer this time. Yeah. So I think I waited 16 hours before I was finally hooked up with Addison. Yeah. And, um... By the time labor started, it was about 20 hours after my waters had broken. Yeah. Um, I was comfortable waiting about 48 hours this time. Yeah, okay. Um, Obviously, if the fluid was still, you know, clean and and I was, there's no weird smells and, you know, I'm not taking any baths and all that stuff. Um, So I put paint 
stripper on the shelf again after <laughs> dropping her at school. And I was like, I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah. And it was about 20 past 10 in the morning. And I had a tiny little twinge around the corner from my house. And I was like, yes, yes, it's happening. Things are happening. I'm going to give make this walk the best walk I've ever um, done. Yeah, yeah. And I got um, a bit further on and I had my first contraction, like actual contraction. Yeah, okay. And I fell to the floor again. Yeah. And I was sitting there and I said out loud, because I was alone on this yeah, walk. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. This was the wrong choice <laughs> because in my mind, I was like, oh, it just, you know, it's a little easing and, you know, that classic story of like yeah. they ramp up and no, this was me p- unable to stand wow. on the floor, on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside my, like a neighbor's house being like, oh, crap. Yeah. Oh my God. And like breathing through it. And she came out and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm good. Just in labor. Don't mind me. <laughs> Called Rob. Um, being like, you need to come and get me immediately. Like, I'm having contractions. Yeah. So he's rushed out. He's been in a meeting again, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rushed out, got in the car, had another one immediately as he went to take off. And I was like, stop this damn car because the forces with zero fluid as you yeah. take off in the car was so intense with a contraction. I still remember that feeling to this day. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Walked into the house, sat on the toilet. Mum's like, that was a quick walk. And I'm like, yep, I'm in labor. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, sitting on the toilet and I was crying through these contractions already. And to me, that was almost a failure. I was like, I'm three contractions in to the start of labor, which is how long could labor possibly be, you know? And um, I'm already not coping. Oh, crap. I can't do this. Um, And my bowels emptied on the toilet, which I was so thrilled about. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, I don't have to worry about this at at all anymore. Yeah. Texted my midwife and was like, I'm crying. Um, Do I put my TENS machine on? And she's like, absolutely. Yeah. Um. And that was about 20 to 11. So it had only been 20 minutes, if that. Um, Yep, so put it on and Rob's like, I'm going to start filling up the pool. And I'm like, no, it's too early because the lady with the pool had told me, if you don't open the liner, you can get $70 back. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, I need my $70 back. And Rob's like, are you let go of the fucking $70? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's too early. It's too early. He's like, it's not too early yeah. because he knew it would take like an hour to fill this pool. Yeah. So I got the big one. I assumed that I would want him in there with yeah. me. And I was over the couch, like in between contractions, trying to help him fit the liner to the pool. Cause he'd opened it. And he's yeah. like, he's like, I'm doing it. And I was like, all right, well, I don't have the energy to fight you on this because it's too late. I can't do the liner back up. I'll just go with it. We're setting up the pool. And, um, I'd get a part of the liner on and then I'd have to lean over the side of the couch, breathing with the tens machine on through contractions. Thank God mum was home. And I'm like crying. I've got a photo of me that I sent to my girlfriend, tears streaming down my face going, it's happening. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just, I'm, I don't do pain. I have such a low pain threshold. Um, my midwife thought it was hysterical every time she would be like, "We're gonna take bloods today. Get your numbing cream out," and I would numb my veins so she could take bloods. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I don't do pain. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, so my mum's trying to help set up the pool while I'm crying. And then I was like, I, I need to lay down. I, I need, I need, I can't do this anymore. So he took me to the bed and he's rushing out to finish setting up the pool between contractions. Yeah. And then I started sleeping, lying down on the bed between contractions. Um, and in, now I realize that that's transition. So that was like, what? quarter past 11 at this point in the morning so only not not that much longer at all um and i was i was asleep and i would make a noise when each contraction started and he would run back in help me sit up lean over him on the bed with a towel underneath me and um i would have my contraction and i would lay back down and go to sleep and he would rush out and finish keep filling up the pool and um yeah and then because I texted my midwife before then. She was like, I'm an hour away because she was at the park with her little boy. And I said to her, I don't think I'll make an hour. Wow. Like emotionally. I knew I needed her. I I wasn't dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she was like doing like 1.30 on the freeway being like, you can't get arrested if you're helping a woman in labor, right? Because she's like a solid 45-minute drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time her husband came home to like – look after her boy yeah, of course yeah um yeah and she so she knew she was going to be an hour yeah. she got there um she's like told me the second would get there first yeah. um so when i opened my eyes on the bed because she touched my shoulder and i thought it was my second midwife yeah fully expecting to see her and it was her and i just relaxed so much i was like oh my god thank god you're here yeah wow um thank god because i was safe now yeah it was safe to give birth i could do it yeah um, I knew I, I just couldn't do it on my own. Yep. Um, I still remember that it, it was such a physical palpable feeling of relief. Like the whole atmosphere shifted. Yeah. Um, when she got there and when I knew that she was there Yeah. and yep. I had just had, or just about to have this in super massive contraction on the bed still. And my body started pushing and I looked at her and I said, something's wrong. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, he's coming. He's coming. I'm, like, I'm pushing. He's like, he's there. He's too high. I could feel where he was. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, I, if I, in my mind, if I'm give birth on this bed, I'm going to tear six ways to Sunday yeah. kind of thing because the force was so intense. Wow. And she goes, yep, get in the pool. And I said, I, I can't, I can't move. I don't want to take the tense machine off. I'm terrified. This was my only uh, relief yeah. from the pain yeah. was to put this, use this tense machine. And she's like, I'll help you. So she basically like pushed me to the pool and like ripped off the tens and like pushed me in the pool. Like wow. if I'd fallen in head first, <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found out later she gave herself an electric shock because she oh, touched no. the pads no. <laughs> because we were, she was so, uh, get Sarah in the pool. Yeah that she just forgot that the tens machine was on and knew that we couldn't get in with it on. Yeah. So she just, yeah, she shocked herself, oh. which <laughs> the poor thing. And then she felt the pool and she's like, Oh crap. It's cold. Oh no! So she, her and Robert were bucketing water out, running to my mum to ask for buckets from yeah. the laundry, yeah. bucketing water into the bath as the 
Paul was then putting hot water back in. Yep. Thank God we have instant gas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, put the she put the hose on my back, which was amazing. Amazing. That hot water while I was in the pool on my back was, oh, it, that in itself should be a labor trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it was like being in the shower, but in the pool. Yeah. Um, and you've and got I the, remember the, the addition of like the buoyancy as well in the. Pool, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember them bu- feeling the bucketing out, and that annoyed me to no end. It was so frustrating. Yeah. Because the movement of getting the bucket of water mm. out would make me um, move like I was on a boat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I remember in my mind being like, it's all right, just ignore it. Like, they, you, we need to lower the water, otherwise the water will be too high yeah. and it's too cold and you just have to deal with it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so when I got in the pool, it was about 12 o'clock. Yeah. So she'd been there for about 10 minutes yeah. at that point, if give or take, by the time she's, you know, set herself up, brushed in, yeah. grabbed everything from the car and all that jazz. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I was just laboring in the pool while they're still trying to bucket cold water out and, um, put more in. And, um, my husband says I screamed through every contraction, (laughs) but thankfully my midwife says I didn't. She said you weren't quiet, Yeah, but I was vocal and I was like, yeah, the, the movement, the, the intensity has to go somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Like you don't have to be quiet. It's like, no, you don't, but I, yeah, I resent the fact I was screaming though. I was not screaming. Yeah. I was just vocal. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was hunched over the seat in the pool. I just didn't really move apart from those contractions while they're moving around me. Yeah. It was about 12.35. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize my midwife had put a mirror underneath me. Okay, yeah. And um, I had, it was just after I had this insane contraction and I felt him move three to four centimeters wow um I know it was 10 minutes prior yeah yeah so I felt him move about 12 30 ish several centimeters down the canal and I roared I roared in that contraction it was insane I still remember that one so vividly and um and then there was this lull and um rob was a little bit panicky he's like oh my goodness like it's been 10 minutes without a contraction we've set up the pool she's in the pool we've stopped her labor yeah okay i knew but i wasn't talking obviously at the time and i knew that everything was okay and um my midwife knew everything was okay And then um, I kind of sat back. I, I just didn't have, I knew his head was right there. No, I just remember feeling for his head and I was like, great, he's, he's right there. I'll just wait till I have that next contraction. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she didn't even realize that he was that close to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She could see like a tiny peak of head, but didn't realize that he was right there. Um, due to the kidney issues, I had agreed to 15 minute um, heartbeat checks. Okay, yep. Yeah. Um, as a preventative, if he started going down, we had no idea what the kidney um, was going to present yep. um, in labor. Like, would he get distressed and all of that? Yep. Especially since my waters had already broken, he didn't have any of that protection yep. from the intensity of the contractions. Yep. And I started breathe pushing. It was like a deep, a deep push, um, less intense, like. It was, I 
it was so different compared to the contractions of when he the process of moving the baby down the canal and and into the pelvis and all of that i was able to just breathe push yeah wow as opposed to my body doing the fetal ejection reflex for me yeah yeah yeah. i think he would have come out on his own had i just waited um but i was like okay well we're having a contraction i'll i'll give it a push he's right there and um i knew that i could get his head out in one go i don't know why i just i just knew it could be done he was right at that exit yeah he could just pop out yeah and um, I didn't have enough space. I was still so hunched over, almost sitting, like, with my bum on the floor. Yeah. And so I leant back to give myself more space in my perineum, and I was supporting my own perineum because yeah. he just felt that little bit stuck. Yeah. And I just kind of pushed that little bit more, and his head just popped out. Wow. And that was wild. That was – yeah, so – that was the one out, head out in yeah. one push, essentially, because you... I didn't really stop. Yeah. I just waited. I felt his shoulders rotate inside yeah. me, which was quite funny because that um, the lady, the OBG, who was like, you can't pull your own baby out, was also going on about shoulder dystocia <laughs> oh and how dangerous it is. And I was like, yes, it is a dangerous situation, but if I'm on my back in labor yes there's a very high chance my baby's shoulder is going to get stuck yeah 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 but i just knew i'm like no like the baby has seven pivotal movements to get out of your body yeah and shoulder rotation is one of those movements and i vividly felt so it's his he was um his face was looking to my right side and in and his body was curled around the left part of my body, okay. like in pregnancy. Yeah. So his his right shoulder was at the front of my pelvis. Yeah. So I vividly remember feeling that shoulder rotate um, around to align with the birth canal, yeah. so that he could come out. And I just breathed him out, and his whole body was out on wow. that next push. Wow! And that was about two minutes. Wow! <laughs> so head out, yeah. yeah. And from, yeah, so head out at 12.40, body out at 12.42. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then he was out, and that was it. So from, it was the, wild. from the first, like, contraction, I guess, like, how the, how would you, like, what duration? So that first, yeah, so we say two hours. Yeah. Because that first little twinge, about 20 past 10 yeah. or 10.30-ish, was more of a Braxton Hinks, a little bit more intense. Yeah. That first very I'm in contraction labor was... I called my husband at 10.38 yeah, yeah. and he was out at 12.42. Wow. So it was pretty much two hours from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't have time to think about anything yeah. in my labor. I wanted to put a different bra on, yeah. one that had buttons so that I could open it. I yeah. wanted to do my hair differently. Yeah. Nope. I <laughs> was just in that space. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And um, yeah. like what was, what, so you were in the pool did you give birth to the placenta in the pool how did that all go yes so my husband had to get in the pool afterwards and support me um his cord was really short and i one of the first things i said to my midwife was like i'm pretty sure i tore my clitoris (laughs) (laughs) and she's like it's okay it's gonna be all right yeah and um i was just so in that pain space she had to remind me to say hello to him yeah well. she's like say hi to your baby oh, and like wake him up yeah. and I was like oh oh yeah I have a baby because yeah. I was just consumed with that pain yeah, yeah um 
Yes, so he was in there to support me and help hold the baby up yeah. out of the water. Yeah, so it was a bit. The water was a bit high. The cord was a bit short. Yeah. Um, and I wanted that natural physiological process. Um, and I wanted the cord attached and everything. Yeah. And we were there for about an hour, and I was having these very painful, intense contractions. Yeah. And if anyone listening to this. The placenta doesn't feel like another baby, much to my surprise. <laughs> I really thought I would have that same pressure yeah. because I had that manual placental management in hospital. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really thought it would feel like another baby and it really doesn't. No. It just, it doesn't feel like anything. Yeah. You just have these contractions. Yeah. And I had such intense back pain um, and my midwife was like, that's, there it is. That's the placenta's fallen off the wall and is wow. sitting at the bottom of your yeah, uterus. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so it was finally about an almost an hour later, and I the cord was giving me so much grief, and he was feeding, and I was having these ridiculous contractions. Yeah. And she's like, "What do you want to do?" And I'm like, "I want to cut the cord. I'm done. I can't birthless placenta. I can't hold the baby up out of the water properly." Yeah to even push out this placenta i want to guide and support myself i know i've torn yeah or i feel like i've torn i'm sore cut it so we did yeah and um i was able to move aside so my husband did skin to skin with quentin um and i birthed the placenta in the pool and um i was really scared i i I let that obg and the fear of the cord detaching get in my head a little bit so my midwife did gentle cord traction and she felt it. And then we, when we felt it engage um, in the cervix, I was like, great, I can push it out now. Yeah. And um, she was almost just guiding it while I pushed yeah. and it got a little bit stuck. So my cervix had started to close around the placenta. So I'm so glad I trusted her yeah. um, because the last thing I'd want to have to do is transfer yeah, for placenta yeah, again. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then that was it. Yep. So we discovered that I actually had a velamentous cord insertion. Is that like where it's on the um, side? That's on the edge. Or yeah. Something? So yeah. the you've got the normal one in the middle. Yep. The marginal was where it's just touching right on the edge, and the velamentous is where it's in the membranes itself, not wow. attached to the placenta. Wow. So that just reaffirmed my decision even more to have that home birth. Yeah. Because I would have 100%, and my midwife agrees, needed manual extraction of that placenta for the velamentous cord. And she's got a beautiful video on her Instagram page and in my birth video as well. Yeah. um, Exploring the placenta and just looking at those beautiful, like, um, arteries and veins across the membranes. and. Yeah. And apparently it's quite a small placenta, which accounts for a slightly smaller baby. Yeah. And um, to me, he was skinnier, yep. I guess, because he wasn't puffy with fluid yep. like Addison would have yep. been. And I was like, he's got to be smaller. He's got to be smaller. But he was 3.18 kilos. So yeah. he was actually larger, yeah, which yeah. was crazy to me. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So I guess that's that's kind of it. That's the birth of Quentin. <laughs> yeah. And I guess... So we moved to the bed and yeah. I didn't end up tearing. I had wow. grazes. Yeah. Um, so I had lateral graces from his ears kind of oh, down the inside yeah. of the vagina. Yeah. And she said, that's what was giving you so much grief yeah. was the, the, the cord rubbing against those, you know, like when you graze your knee, yeah. like that's kind of what happened yeah, okay, and a yeah. tiny little rip from his nose yeah. in my, at the end of my perineum. Yeah. But 
I was like, no sutures. Yeah. It that was my goal. Yeah. It was like no stitching. The stitches gave me so much grief yeah. with Addison last time. Yeah. They got infected. Yeah. It was horrible. But I um, guess the moral yeah. of the story is you you can't. Well, at least you didn't rip your clitoris. <laughs> no, I did not rip that. Thank God, because I was like. Again, I was like, this was the wrong choice. I've ruined everything. (laughs) I've ruined my clitoris. (laughs) Yeah. And so she's like looking at me on the bed and she's like, I don't see anything. And I was like, what do you mean you don't see anything? She's like, no, there's like no bleeding. There's tiny little marks. That's it. Because I made her inspect my tear before birth as well. I was so paranoid of tearing with the existing scar. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, But I guess like looking back on, you know, the past... I guess you could like say seven years of your pregnancy yep. learning journey, everything the, that education, yeah, the yep. whole thing with yep. um, like the whole experience with Addison. How do you yep. how do you like perceive birth now? You know, obviously it took you almost six years to overcome that experience, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I felt amazing afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Like. It, you really do get that birth high. I was riding that birth high for a full month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just the recovery as well. Like, I didn't even feel like I'd given birth a week Yeah, later. wow. Yeah. Like, it was wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel so... A little sad I won't be doing it again. Yeah. Two is enough for me. I just don't do pregnancy or, like, newborn stage very <laughs> yeah. well. Um, and it's so empowering to be like you can have different options and just hearing the stories of these women who have similar stories to my experience with Addison and they feel so disempowered and neglected and alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't, it doesn't have to be no, that way. There is a different way. Like, even if you still want to give birth in hospital, I'm like the continuing can, I can't even say that word, the continuous care provided from my midwife i didn't have to see a gp she can write prescriptions relevant to pregnancy for me um she can write all my ultrasound referrals i didn't need to see a doctor the entire time yeah and the extra care afterwards has like shaped that postpartum experience to be so different this time around um it's just been amazing and like the universe works in such mysterious ways because a year ago I couldn't have imagined standing here talking <laughs> to you about my home birth holding my baby yeah. like it's so wild it is thank you so much Sarah thank you for having of me of course